Hello, everyone. This is Jay Izzo, and welcome to June 21st show of A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and I am, as always, so grateful to be with you. And, and you know what, today it's just, I say this about every show, but it's really true. Today I have a great show um, coming along, and I'm really, really excited about today's show, because uh, today we're going to be featuring Joel Block. And uh, Joel is uh, an incre- just an incredible guy, I, and and because he knows so much about finance and real estate and investing, and you know, I think one of the things that we all struggle with, at least at some point or another, or you know, depending on where you're at, I think we all struggle with money. I, I think you know we just kind of have to have a new vision of what money is, and I don't know where you're at. I, I mean, you may be. I don't think it matters. I think if you're somebody who doesn't have very much money and who wants to make more money or you're somebody who has, you know, you know, is doing well um, and wants to do better, I, I think we all kind of float in, you know, what we perceive as what's how we're doing in terms of finances. And finances are so important because, you know, so many of our relationships seem to be determined on what our finances are like. And so... I know, like, for instance, marriages, so many marriages break up over money. So many people do not get married over money. Businesses break up over, what else? Money. So money is really important. And, and you know, we go, oh, it's so sad that money is important. But the truth is, the truth is, is that it takes money uh, to help people. You know, we we have kind of a mysterious thing with our relationship with money. It's It's like we got to have it. But we don't like it. And so what happens is we have a tendency to want to go, well, rather than making more money, why don't we just get rid of money and make everybody all the same? But the, it really doesn't help anybody when we do that. Because when we're all the same, we actually get less. And and so, so many people would rather that we all be poor than it is that, that we allow somebody to have more money than us. And I don't understand that because it doesn't make sense in the real world to me because, you know, some people are taller, you know, so what do you want us to, everybody should be short because it's unfair that somebody's taller. I don't think that's very a wise thing to do. And then you have some people who quite frankly are smarter than other people when it comes to certain things, right? There are some people who are better at math than others. So does that mean that if you're better at math and you're more of a genius at math, then what we need to do is we need to limit you as to how much math you can know because you, it's unfair that you have more math skills or is it fair that there are people who can dunk a basketball and others can't and so what we need to do is we need to lower the rim for everybody so that everybody can dunk a basketball. I, I just don't think that's just not the way nature works in terms of making everything fair. But I will tell you though that I think it's really fair that everybody has an opportunity to make money as much as they want. Because, and and some people will say, yeah, well, some people just can't. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if this, they just can't or if they just won't. I'm, I'm not here to judge that piece of it at all. But I do know this, that if you have more money, you can give away more money. And you can help more people with money than you can without it. And I, I heard somebody once say that money does not buy happiness. And I believe that is absolutely true, by the way. I do not believe that money 
can get you uh, to make you happy. But I know a lot of unhappy people who don't have money at the same time. And, and it's funny, but it's really true because there are people who, uh, quite frankly, wish they had more money and they don't. And, you know, so whenever I feel like I've got someone who can come on the show and enlighten us about money and what's going on in the financial world and uh, how we can benefit from it, then I think that's really, 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 really important to do. And Joel Block is going to talk to us about what he's seeing in the markets and what's going to happen. And you're going to say to myself, well, Jay, I'm not anywhere in that. You, you know what? Give yourself a new direction. Give yourself a new thought process. You know, the more you know about something, the more you can actually go out and achieve it. And so sometimes we shut ourselves down from hearing about things because we feel, well, I'm not in that category. Well, you'll never be in that category if you don't know how it all works and what's going on. So uh, I really am doing this because I want you to be encouraged that there's something for you to achieve. There's another level for you to get to. And you can get there little by little and and. I want you certainly to be able to do that. So Joel Block will be with us today talking about money and all sorts of different things about money. And I think that's really, really exciting to, to do today. And, and I really love it. And I, I, you know, I want to start doing something here on the show. And I, I really want to check in with my listeners because I believe that we are four-part people. I believe that we are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual people. And I believe that those four things uh, largely determine, if, on, if we were to put them on a scale of 1 to 10, largely determines how we respond to different things. And so I would ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing physically? You know, 5 being average, you know, 10 being I'm outstanding, 0 meaning uh, my physical is just awful, I need to eat better, I need to work out. I, where are you today? And then... How about mentally? What are you doing to challenge yourself mentally? What are you doing? What are you reading? What are you listening to that's challenging you mentally, that's helping you grow? Are you challenging yourself with anything, or are you just kind of doing the same old thing? You haven't been reading a book. You haven't really been learning something new, maybe learning a new language or some kind. What are you doing mentally to stimulate yourself? Again, 10 being outstanding, 0 being nothing, 5 being average. How are you doing mentally? Okay, And then emotionally. You know, how are you doing controlling your emotions? Are your emotions out of control? Are you able to control your emotions? We call that emotional intelligence. Ten, you're, you know, emotionally I'm really stable. I'm really good, Jay. Zero, you know what? I'm out of control. I just, I can't seem to control my emotions. Five, well, I'm, I'm average, okay? So I want you to think about that. And then spiritually, and people get all freaked out when I say spiritually because people think that I'm, I'm talking about you know, you have to have a religion, but that, that's not true. We're spiritual beings, and meaning that we connect to something. There's something that we connect to that either gives us hope or that we have faith in that's outside of ourselves that maybe we just can't explain. Maybe it's connected to nature. Maybe it is connected to, to God uh, or, or your version of God. Maybe it is. My question is, how are you doing spiritually connected-wise to things outside of yourself? Because I think it's really important because we do it regardless of what you want to believe you are connected somehow spiritually to something. And so I would ask you to check yourself. What's, the, what's your score between 0 and 10 on all four of those dimensions, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual? Where are you at in those four dimensions? And the reason why those things are so important is because 
the truth of the matter is, if you, if one side, if like you're really high physically and you're really low spiritually, you need to think about you're sitting on a chair with four legs, right? One's physical leg, one is a mental leg, one's an emotional leg, one's a spiritual leg. And, you know, let's say they're off kilter where you're higher in one and lower in the other. Try sitting in that chair. You know, it's, it's really hard to say stable. And then if you're too low, well, you're too low to the ground and you can't see up to the table. So... How are you doing in terms of your stability and, and getting things going? And then ask yourself, what can you do to improve those things? And, and, and as this show goes on, we're going to be talking more and more about how we improve in those areas. And that's why I bring on these guests. Hopefully these guests stimulate you mentally, maybe stimulate you emotionally, maybe think about your spiritual connection to things like money, you know, right? Because money can be very spiritual, believe it or not, and, and, and what you believe about it. And, you know, and even physically. And so what I do with the, these guests is I really try to get them to stimulate you. So uh, let's, let's get Joel uh, Block on the line here. And let's talk to him about what's going on in the world of money. Waiting here on Joel. Joel. Hey, Joel. This is Jay Izzo of A New Direction. Are we good? Uh, yeah, we're good. We're good. What uh, What time are we on? Are we on now? We're on right now, Joel. We're uh, let's we do it. A little background music going on here. I'll get that down. I hope you're doing well. And I'm not excellent. I'm very good. Thank you for calling. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for being on. I really, really do appreciate it. And uh, let me do a little quick introduction so that the folks who are listening to the show, whether they're wherever they're listening to it can get a little bit about you and uh, because you are an amazing human being, by the way. Uh, I, seriously, I, I went through your profiles and, and it's amazing. Uh, Joel Block, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is an American business executive, professional speaker. He specializes on the topics of real estate, finance, and sales. He also assists attorneys in complex litigation cases involving real estate, securities, and alternative investments. Uh, Joel's roles involve consultation, litigation strategy, and expert testimony. He has been cited in the media and press outlets, including Entrepreneur, The Los Angeles Times, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Small Business. Let me put it this way. Where hasn't Joel been? That's a shorter list than where he has been because <laughs> he certainly has. And uh, he is, he, he is uh, just an amazingly insightful person when it comes to money and finance and because you're listening to the show on a new direction, and as I talked preempted here, Joel, you don't know this in the first 10 minutes, but I was letting the listeners know that, you know, we have such a relationship with money, and it's, it's on four different levels. We have a spiritual relationship with it. We have a, we have a mental relationship with it. We have a, a physical relationship with money, and we have an emotional, certainly an emotional relationship with money. And there is a lot going on in the world today in regards to what's going on in the global economy. And a lot of people are really confused about what does all this mean? You know, the, you know, we have Brexit and then Italy's going through their stuff and, and you know, the, what are we doing about the debt? And we've got so much stuff going on. I mean, I read Goldman Sachs uh, has said recently that the financial outlook for America is bleak. And uh, so, Joel, let's start there. 
Is is it true? Is Goldman Sachs right? Is the financial outlook for America bleak? You know, I, I'll listen. Uh, you know, you're in the media business. I spent a lot of years in the media business. The one thing that I always ask, the first question I always ask, is what's the hidden agenda? What is somebody trying to promote by saying whatever it is they say? And I can't figure out what Goldman Sachs is trying to promote by saying the economy is bad because I don't think that it is. I think that there are just great things happening in our economy. But, you know, fund- but the economy has changed fundamentally. Ten years ago, uh, we had our crash. Companies restructured. They got uh, skinnier. They got more efficient. Uh, that wasn't necessarily great for individual people. But then something else happened in the last couple of years. I don't know if it's happened to you, but, uh, you know, I, I, I used to avoid like the plague having anything hit my credit card every month. But now I've got about 20 or 30 different things that hit the credit card every single month. Right. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, uh, you know, Amazon Prime hits every year, LinkedIn hits every year, all these every single year, all these things are hitting. What's happened is that all these companies have shifted into a subscription model business plan, and, and they're hitting our credit cards every single month, which is very, very reliable for them. So I think for a lot of reasons the economy is very healthy. It's, it's different, but it's healthy, and that's what we got to focus on. And, 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 Joel, let me ask you, because you're right. By the way, you are 100% right. My credit card, or I should say our credit cards, are being hit with more monthly things because I know that's the model, right? I mean, I get it. That's the model. The model is revolving, you know, getting revolving charges. That's how businesses yeah, make right. money. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay with it because I get it because I, it provides me a service, right? I mean, Netflix provides me a service. Amazon Prime provides me a service. Okay. And, and Hulu provides me a particular service. Rook, I, I, I cut the cord. I'm a Roku sling guy. I get charged every month. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay, I'm okay when Roku, yeah. I, Roku comes up and they charge me a dollar and four cents every month, right? And, and my bookkeeper says, can we just pay this by the year? And I go, you know, I really don't know. I did, you know, I signed up for it. I, yeah. did, I didn't think about it, right? So, yeah. I mean, how bad is the economy really in light of that? Because I think I read somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong here, Joel. But I think I read somewhere we're actually we're we're actually doing more with credit than we have in the past, say past eight years or ten years. Is that true? Well, yeah, you know, I I don't know what the numbers are, but you know what what I do know is that our credit numbers are big. Uh, you know, defaults were up a couple of years ago. They probably got a little bit more under control. Uh, you know, the the difficulty is that it's very very easy to get yourself into a credit mess. And people aren't really that great with it. You know, you start out the segment by saying we have this relationship with money. I was, I was thinking recently how bizarre a relationship with money is. If I, you know, listen, I'm in the money management business. I run a hedge fund. People give me their money. We manage it. We, you know, we buy assets. If I said to you, look, give me your money and I'll manage it, you'd get all nervous and say, no, I don't want to give you my money. But if I said to you, hey, tell you what, I'm going to swing by your house and pick you up, get in my car. You wouldn't even think twice about getting in my car. Now that's really dangerous to get in somebody's car. <laughs> but to give me your money, you you wouldn't think you, you, you know you wouldn't do that under any circumstance. But we get in strangers' car, we get in Ubers and taxis, and we, we don't think twice about it. So in a very funny way, we are more particular about money than we are with our whole life. Isn't that crazy? It's so true. Is that crazy or what? Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. What a great what a great thought process. You're right. I mean, it it I, Joel, you and I have never met face to face. I don't know what you drive. I don't really care. But the truth of the matter is I use Uber and Lyft a lot. I am in a lot of vehicles I don't know that I should be in, quite frankly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's a bizarre thing, you know. And, uh, 
you know, listen, and the government gives your driver's license, but that doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean you're a good driver, a safe driver. It means that you uh, were good for five minutes during the test. It doesn't mean anything. And, and, and it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. And here's the, I, I also, uh, you know, I, I live in a big city, so I have a car, but, uh, you know, as I, tra- I travel a lot, and I will say that I've been using uh, more Ubers instead of renting cars because it's pretty handy, yeah. you know, under some circumstances. It is. So it, uh, it works pretty good, yeah. It does. It really does work pretty good. So you, let's – I love that. What a great thought process. You know, I, I – my wife and I have investments, right? And, you know, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, talking about money. And I was just thinking about it, as you were talking about somebody else managing our money, I remember going to um, – my financial advisor, right? And we changed. We changed over to financial advisors. And I went to my, I call him, his name's Bob, and went to Bob. And Bob said, what do you want to be in, right? And I have just enough knowledge to be dangerous, okay, when it comes to knowing what I should do. And he's a professional. And so here was my answer, okay? I don't know if this is a good answer or not, so you, you tell me if it is. So I told him, I said, you put me what you're in. That, that's literally what I told him. I said, whatever you're in, you put me in that. Because I know, he, because you're right. I I tr- I love him. I trust him. We are good friends. We we spend time in a business leaders club together. But when it came to my money, I didn't know what yeah. he was thinking about. So I so I thought the safest thing to do with my money is whatever you're doing with your money, you put me in that because I know you're not going to well, do yourself. Yeah, there's 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 some logic that's pretty good about that. But here's here's the thing that's that's not right about that is that. Uh, let's say that uh, you've got a wedding for your for one of your kids coming up in a year. You need your money to be liquid and ready to go. Right. Uh, he puts his money in somewhere for five years because he doesn't need the money. Right. So your circumstances are different. You're closer to retirement. He's further from retirement. He started out with less. You start out with more. His expenses are more. Yours are less. I mean, your situation is different. So uh, a very good financial advisor, and I'm not a financial advisor. I don't, uh, you know, help people with their personal money. I'm, I'm a professional investor. Uh, wealthy people give me their money, and we go buy assets with it. But, I, you know, I don't give people advice. I don't broker anything. Right. I don't do any of those things. So, so this kind of discussion is a little different for me. But what I listen, but the way it works is that your facts and circumstances are different. Uh, right. You know, your tax return looks different than the other guys. That sure. that other guy. Uh, could have lots of short-term gains, and so you want to create some short-term losses. I mean, there's all kinds of strategies. So you can't just mirror what somebody else is doing, and that's the job of the financial advisor to really help you figure out, look, here's your situation. Now let's make a strategy for your particular situation. If you get a good guy, he's going to help you figure that out, or or a lady, of course. Yeah, well, and, and, and he has. I mean, he's, he's, he's had to adjust my thinking over the course of years uh, because <laughs> – because it was it was really true. I mean, it was it was my money, right? And we do investments because you know we invest in real estate, and so we have a we have a real estate portfolio that we personally invest in, because I believe in real estate, and I will continue to believe in real estate. And evidently, uh, based my wife owns a real estate company, and 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 based on what we're seeing here, evidently other people are believing in real estate because we're seeing a new model come in of real estate folks. Who there is huge amounts, I mean billions of dollars of investor funds where they are getting into real estate, buying the house that the people are selling, getting it empty, allowing the people to move in the other house, and then they just put it up through sale. Have you seen this model in real estate? Oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Are you talking about flipping the house where no, they, they buy it, they, they just turn it over fast? Or what, no, I'm not sure. 
Open Door is one of them. And basically what they do is, in certain price ranges, what they do is they literally purchase the house from the owner so that the owner can go live in their new house, and then they put it up for sale. Oh, oh, really? Hmm. It's a really so they uh, so they, yeah so they take a little bit of risk. So I guess if they if they assume that they can uh, if they can make a little arbitrage or a little spread on between the buy and the sell price, that they they take a little risk. They they really do, and their agents of course are paid uh, really more dollar figures than they are in percentage. So the, it's a really interesting model that has emerged here in the Research Triangle Park area, which is where I live in the uh, North Carolina Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill area. And the, again, it's limited to certain price ranges, and it's also limited yeah. to certain locations. I mean, they certainly have figured out through big data how to limit their risk. But but clearly, and by the way, they're not the only company. There's other companies moving in this direction. It looks like Amazon is actually moving in this direction now too, as well, uh, starting to do some of these type of purchases, allowing people to they purchase the house. They'll put it up for sale and allow the people to move into their next home. It's a really <laughs> unique, yeah. It's a really unique model. Well, here's here's another another interesting thing about this is, uh, you know, that's that's not a brokerage function. A brokerage function is putting a buyer and a seller together. When you actually buy a house, you're not acting as a broker anymore. Now you're a principal. Yeah. So in a certain way, uh, they're kind of moving away from you know the the realtor broker function. They, and so uh, that probably uh, consumers are probably getting less protections uh, when that happens. So. Just something to think about. I mean, it's a different model. It's a different way of doing it. Uh, but there's probably, uh, beside the fact that you get some cash up front and you, and you don't have to worry about it, you don't sweat it too much, yep. uh, there's also there's some other downside to it. So a pretty interesting, pretty yep. interesting uh, concept. It is a pretty interesting concept. I want to I wanna move along to something much bigger because I know okay. that you... I know that you dabble in this, all right? I'm, this may not be your wheelhouse, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least try to put it up on a tee. You know, we we are. Con- there's a lot of talk. You know, you know, Britain has exited uh, the European financial uh, markets, mm-hmm. and Italy, yeah. Italy, of course, is just uh, is just a disaster financially. What yeah. what should we be aware of? I mean, what, I mean, I mean, as an American citizen who is looking at our money and looking at what's going to happen to our currency. What should we? I mean, what should we be looking at? What should we be concerned about, or should we be concerned about anything? Well, you know, listen. The, the one thing that's very difficult for us as Americans to understand is that we are uh, we are one puzzle piece in a giant puzzle. We we kind of think of ourselves as the puzzle. We're, we're the thing, but the truth is that we're not. There are lots of big economies. You know, China, other parts of Asia, Europe. Uh, you know, the Middle East is giant. Even Africa is growing, and, and there are big pieces there. So. Uh, among the things that we need to pay attention to, uh, you know, 10 years ago when they, uh, you know, saved the banks and too big to fail and all, you know, my thought was as an entrepreneurial person, gee, well, if you're too big to fail, maybe you're too big to be in business. Mm-hmm. And as I took a step back and I really started thinking about it, uh, you know, these banks have to be giant because they, they deal with things that are really unimaginable to most of us all day long. Uh, the, the cash management and the treasury function and uh, services that they provide on a global scale are so large that the amount of intertwine that there is between all of us is, is really significant. Now, that being said, if one economy like Greece or Italy or, you know, one of them uh, has a problem, it's not going to take the whole world down because 
uh, it's not just Italy by itself anymore. They have the cushion and the insurance of the whole world. And there's so much uh, commerce that happens between all of us. Uh, it makes it complicated, but it also makes it a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, though, I, I'm curious about, and this is just maybe me with a little bit of a dark side. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. But you know, how, 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 long, how long is Germany going to continue to pay for the debt of everybody else? Well, how long is the United States going to continue to pay? I mean, we don't seem to have much uh, sense about, you know, about this on, on our soil either. Uh, you know, every dollar that we spend above our budget, you know, is a dollar we have to borrow that we're going to pass on to our kids. And, uh, you know, I don't know how we deal with all these immigration issues. I don't know how we deal with all these things. There, there are, there, there are difficult issues on both sides. There's compassion, but yet there's money. And, and there, and there are real responsibilities and there's real issues that have to be addressed. So, uh, you know, Germany is not the only country dealing with it. We just mask our situation a little better. Uh, their situation is probably a little further along and they've really got some big problems. I mean, they really are far under, uh, underwater. But our situation is not that, uh, not that easy either. Yeah, I agree with you. By the way, you're listening here to A New Direction and you're listening to uh, my guest, awesome guest, Joel Block. By the way, if you, if you, if you want to find out more about Joel and what he does, check out his website, which is bullseyecapital.com. Did I get that right? And bullseye cap. Bullseye cap. Also, if you want to get Joel's uh, up to the minute notifications, just text Joel J O E L to seven two zero zero zero. That's Joel J O E L to seventy two thousand, and you can get his up to the minute notifications from Joel. And you can get those. I, I think it's a really cool thing. I'm going to start doing it, by the way. And also yeah. check out his book. He's got a great book. Stop hustling gigs and start building a business. And I, you know, I'm, I, this is where I want to go next because this whole thing about stop hustling gigs and start building a business, I think this is so relational because I think we get caught, Joel, I, I'm, I'm, I, I do it. I, I still do it from time to time. I'm trying to hustle the next gig rather than, you know, building, working on building my business. Does that, does well, that, Hey, listen, we, we started talking about subscriptions. The reason that companies have moved to subscription model is because that's not a gig model. That's a recurrence. Right. And that recurrence is exactly, uh, you know, what they need to do. Now, the reason they're doing it is not because the accountants and the company came to the senior management and said, hey, we have a really great idea. The reason they're doing it is because Wall Street likes it better. Wall Street's giving better valuations for companies that use a subscription model. So the concept of uh, getting out of the gig economy you know, the gig economy is great for the employer. It really is a great model for the employer. Hey, listen, I need a graphic artist for two hours. I'm going to pay a guy for two hours, not two hours and ten minutes. No benefits, not nothing. I'm just going to pay him for the two hours. And that's fine. It's perfect. But that person who's the graphic artist needs to think of some ways to, you know, create uh, some revenue streams for themselves so if they don't get another two hours later that day that they're going to be okay. Right. And that's... That's what this book is about. I spent 20 years in the venture capital business, and, and it's all my best ideas from when I was in venture. You know, so I mean, listen, I've built and bought and sold uh, an awful lot of companies, and I've seen some great stuff, and it's all the best ideas that I've put together from then. And so I can tell you that you read this book, it's going to change the way you think. Yeah, this it, it's awesome. I, I'm matter of fact, I am uh, 
I'm, I'm downloading it on Kindle. By the way, uh, the, again, the book by Joel Block is entitled, Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business, 101 Plus Tricks of the Trade to Help Entrepreneurs and Self-Employed People Build a Money-Making Machine. Who doesn't want to do that, listeners? I can't think of anybody who doesn't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, by the way, if you look up Joel Block, there, there, there is a couple of Joel Blocks out there, but there's one, only one Joel G. Block. And he, so if you sometimes struggle saying, oh, hold it, I, this isn't, I'm finding Joel Block the psychologist. Trust me, Joel, Joel G. Block probably has done psychology, probably more than he's ever wanted to. But Joel G. Block <laughs> is the actual author of Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, listen, I, I get it. You probably have had to put people on a couch and, and <laughs> get them to. You know, actually, I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't call it the couch. I call it the barbecue. I put them on the barbecue and I cook them. I roll them over and over, you know, and I, I make them scream, you know. So I ask them hard questions until they cough up the answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, they call me. They call me the grill master. I there love you go. that grill master. I love that grill. Yes, he's the grill. The, the master. The master. Yes, I love that. That's awesome. Uh, the book, by the way, <laughs> is available paperback for twenty five dollars. You can get a Kindle version at nine ninety nine. Folks, you're going to get so much more for your money just by purchasing this book. Again, the book is entitled "Stop Hustling Gigs, Start Building a Business." Joel's also available to speak, by the way. And uh, I, I, I've seen you on Vimeo and speak. You're, you're a great speaker, by the way. You really, thank really, you very much. You really Thanks. are. You're a great speaker. And so I really encourage people, especially because I have a lot of people that listen to the show who, uh, because I'm, I belong to the National Speakers Association, and and uh, and and I get to get to meet and hobnob with a lot of people. And I'm telling you, if you're somebody who is one of those folks who is looking for somebody to talk about investments and talk about and and talk about money in general and and especially I would love you to talk to him about having him talk to you about his book stop hustling gigs and start building a business because it'd be perfect for those entrepreneur conferences and those self-employed people who are trying to build that machine you need to go to Amazon you need to pick up this book because it's a great great book and it's it's based on years and years of experience and probably tr- some some trial and some error and also yeah sure sure right I mean that's that's money's that way though isn't it isn't it isn't it, I mean there's a reason why we say when we invest in like a stock market or we invest in you know real estate like we do right there is. I mean, there's a reason why we say, you know, results may not be typical or, you know, you may not you may not make the money that somebody else made, right? Well, yeah, you know, listen, there's, uh, you know, those are all those disclosures because if uh, things don't go your way, people are going to sue and they'll be all mad and everything. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, bo- the bottom line is that uh, you, you just, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And just because something happened in the future doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. It doesn't happen in the past. It ain't going to you know, happen in the future. You know, we just don't know. And so there's a lot of uh, con artists out there, and uh, they promise things and they say things. But uh, the bottom line is that you know investors have to know that you know you, you got to be careful. You just got to be careful. You can't uh, you can't be sure what's going to happen. Right. So you know I know that you are real big into real estate. I, I know that that's yeah. been, that's been a part of building a portfolio and investment is real estate. What's how do you feel about the real estate market? Where do you think it's going? How do you f- because I mean, in our area, we've well, got some weird things happening. So, 
Yeah, you know, listen, uh, we don't invest in California because it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bubble here all over again. It's very hard to, to understand what's happening in California. Other parts of the country, it's much more logical. The whole Midwest, we're very active in the Midwest and the Southeast. You know, places where you have stable employment, you have, you have nice, stable, normal people uh, that, that have a job, that, that work, that pay their rent, that do what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, it's other parts of the country, it's a little bit harder to, to understand it. But, uh, you know, all the fundamentals are in place. People have jobs. People are paying their bills. People want to have a decent place to live. They want to take care of their family. Uh, they got decent values, and they just they're, they're good people, and that's, that's what, uh, that's what real estate, that's what makes real estate work. I mean, there are, are obviously, uh, some aberrations and there's some irregularities that happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but by and large, it's a, um, uh, the real estate market's been pretty good. It's been going up and up and up. Interest rates have been generally stable. Yeah. Uh, they're starting to, yeah, you know, increase just a little bit. But for the most part, it's been pretty good for the last many years. Yeah, it has been. It has been better. I, the, the, the thing that we're running into here, Joel, and I'd love to hear your comment on this, is that we're running into an inventory shortage here? That's that's what we're running into. Well, because you got a lot of professional investors, guys like me, that come in and you know and buy up a lot of stuff. But you know the what you got to know is that the uh, the professional investors, the fix and flippers, the guys that you see on TV that buy these houses, fix them up and resell them. That's a ten billion dollar industry. Mm. The people who are are doing that are hiring contractors and carpet companies and drapery companies and, and tile layers and all these other people that, I mean, good, hardworking people. So it's, it's a really entrepreneurial business. It's a, it's a business where, you know, that really, it makes a lot of people an awful lot of money. And so not only profit, but also gives people a lot of work. And that's just a really significant, uh, you know, part of this business. So for all those reasons, uh, you know, listen, it's, um, it's a really critical, it's a, co- a critical component. But you know, they're, they're buying a lot of stuff and, and now it's, you know, 10 years ago there was a lot of, a lot of junk on the market that just was bad. Now, uh, it's really gotten cleaned up and, and the, uh, the market's better. And so that's why there's a shortage. That's just the way it works. So. Yeah, we're seeing, yeah. you know, we're seeing here, at least on the residential side of it, we're just seeing that there's a lack of inventory residentially here in our Research Triangle Park area. We're seeing that piece, especially in certain price ranges. I mean, let me let me just be let me back up here and say that in the upper price ranges, it's just fine. It's it's where it should be in terms of yeah yeah normal absorption rates. But in terms of some of those mid mid for us our mid area uh, and for us here in the triangle, the average house is about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And the highest priced home is probably about 3.5 million. That's the highest priced home. And so that we probably have in this area. Maybe a little more, maybe as money as 5 million, but n- certainly no higher than that. But we are seeing th- those upper ranges, and when I say upper, 750 and above, accordingly to where we're at here, we're seeing those pretty normal, right? But we're seeing things 500 and below. We're seeing that start to, where that's just, I mean, there could be 20 offers on the same house. Is what we're seeing residentially here. And yeah, that's happening. That's happening all over the country. I mean, it's uh, you know, yours isn't the only market. I mean, that's happening in many, many markets. Uh, you know, but here's the thing: is if you price the house right, you're going to get offers. If you don't price the house right, you're not. So it sort of has a little bit to do of um, a little bit to do with with the the quality of the brokers. I mean, they sure. the brokers have a hard job because they have to they have to get people who want the most out of their house to be reasonable and, and they, they don't always trust their broker and they don't work well with their broker all the time. So, you know, it's, um, 
it's kind of a it's kind of a difficult uh, you know situation. But but hey, listen, it works. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the market is pretty good. Now, the stock market is considered a perfect market. That means that all the information in the world is known. Everything that uh, that everybody wants to do is is like instantly adjusted into the pricing because there's so many millions of people. Real estate is an imperfect market where I can have secret information that you don't know about, so right. I have an advantage that you don't have. Um, that doesn't exist as much in the stock market as it does in the real estate market. So uh, professional investors have a real edge in the real estate market because there's a lot of things that happen uh, that give advantages to professional investors. Yeah, I, I do a whole I, I do a whole program. Uh, by the way, I'm a member of NSA as well, you know, okay. like you are. And we should talk further, but uh, but you know, I do a whole program that's called "When It Comes to Money, Everything's Rigged." And I explain what the rigs are in different kinds of industries, and real estate's one that has a has a real rig. So you know you have to understand the rig, otherwise you're going to be subject to it. So I, I no, you're you're absolutely right, and it's I, this is especially true. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to a new direction, and I my guest is Joel G. Block. If you want to look him up, he is author of the book "Stop Hustling, Gig, Start Building a Business." Uh, he is just got a long history in real estate syndication and venture capital as well as spending nearly 20 years operating a national advisory practice providing strategic consulting service, services to mid-market companies on sales growth and strategic new revenue initiatives. He is also a sought, highly sought-after speaker, and uh, he is just so knowledgeable. We're talking about real estate right now and I, because I think everybody's interested in real estate. And, yeah. and I, I think try – I mean, we are. We're just interested in it. Now, I, what you just said here about that you have some inside knowledge as an investor, as our brokerage that my wife owns is we do both commercial and residential. The residential side seems to be a little bit more upfront with what's going on. However, the commercial side, that's less regulated. So you have to have more inside knowledge on the commercial yeah. end of it. Yeah. And and you know commercials funky, right? I mean because you know, I I've heard it said either commercials ahead of ahead of residential or residential is ahead of or commercial lags behind residential. Where where are you at with the commercial side of it? Well, you know, listen, I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a blanket that applies. But one thing I'll tell you is that there's more regulation that protects consumers right. on the residential side. There there isn't really much that protects the commercial side. You know, it's it's listen. The government feels like this. If you're smart enough to have the money that you can hire your own attorney and your own account, we don't need a lot of rules to protect you. Uh, regular people, on the other hand, they don't have a lot of extra money to hire attorneys, accountants, and, and helpers. And consequently, uh, you know, they need to uh, have some protection from the government. So that's kind of, in general, the way the government seems like they deal with things. And so there's a lot more protection, a lot more disclosure when you're dealing with regular folks. Mm-hmm. Than uh, than professional people because you know I, I don't really need the government to lay a lot of stuff out. Now cheating and fraud is always illegal, right? But you know you don't have to always do the extra stuff. So that's that's kind of the big difference between those two markets. Yeah, is the commercial is the commercial market a good investment right now? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know the funny thing is real estate is not easy. You know, oh, uh, you know, you buy a stock, and you a bond, you sit around for thirty years, you collect the money for. Real estate, you have to babysit. You have to really do some work. I mean, you have to really understand that it's not just a matter of buy the thing and it starts paying. I mean, there's got to be property management. You've got to pay taxes. I mean, there there are things that you have to do. Uh, in fact, I'm running to a building here in a few minutes, uh, one of the properties that, uh, that we have in our portfolio. A car drove into the side of the building. 
over the weekend. Nice. And, and, you know, That's insurance awesome. Insurance people, I mean, you know, I mean, listen, thankfully, uh, everybody was okay. Nobody got hurt. Uh, it could have been a disaster, but it, uh, you know, I mean, listen, real estate is just the, the nature of the beast is that it's, um, it's a complicated business and, and it's, uh, it requires a certain amount of uh, babysitting. And if you don't have the patience to do that, there's more money in real estate, uh, you know, historically than, than most other things, right. but the, they don't give you the money out of thin air. You have to work for it. It's, it, it's so true. And I think people, I think people misunderstand when it comes to, investing in real estate because they see these shows on HGTV where these people are flipping properties and it, they make it seem like it happened in 30 minutes and yeah yeah and it, you know listen uh, let, let me tell you this one of the you know one of the sections in my book is is how to ask hard questions you have to ask hard questions that's why people call me the grill master is I ask hard questions and and the question you always have to ask and there's only one question people take away from this discussion is you always have to say what's the hard part when you're watching the show, what's the hard part about flipping the house? And you know what it is? The one thing they don't ever tell you is where did the money come from? Yes. It's always it's always about the money. And here's the other thing is, you know, they say we made $55,000. Let's go back and do our next house. How much did the money cost? Because somebody put up the money and somebody took interest and points and all the other things on the money. And most of the time, the money is the most expensive part of the process. Yep. And so uh, 50, 60, 70, 80% of all the profit that they show you on TV ends up going to the, uh, the, the money provider. And, and so a lot of times you know, there was almost no money left over for the flipper. Now, that's not true with the people on TV because they're good at it and they get better money. But for early stage uh, fixing flippers, most of the money is going to go to the money source. Isn't, it's, such a mis, it's such a misconception about people when you know they they think that they can get into this whole flipping thing and they feel like oh yeah yeah you know I I'm going to flip houses I'm going to make millions of dollars like they do on TV it's just not true I I I, no. I tell people this all the time and you're right it's the cost of money because I always ask people I go you're going to flip a house where are you going to get the capital to do that and then how much is that capital going to cost you to get it and can you even get yeah. it can you even yeah. get the capital? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, you know, I do a program twice a year for guys that are the best fix and flippers in the country. And and it's all about how to get better capital. So once you get to the point where you're really, really good on the real estate side, then they can focus on getting better capital. and They can, they can raise their money the way Wall Street raises their money. And I show them how that whole process works and, you know, how to set up a fund, kind of get into the syndication or fund business. And and these guys, uh, you know, they got to come with a track record. Right. I mean, you, 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 when you're just getting started, you don't get high quality money. You get expensive money that comes with a lot of strings attached, yep. and uh, it's it's not uh, it's not optimal. But over time, you do better, and that's that's the way it works. We're talking to Joel Block here, and uh, his website is bullseyecap.com. That's bullseye b u l l s e y e cap c a p dot com. And you can learn more about him. I also highly suggest that you check out his book, Stop Hustling Gigs, and start building a business that's available on Amazon, both in Kindle and paperback. And, you know, why don't you, I mean, folks, you're listening to him right now. I mean, why don't you get your phone, and by the way, don't do it while you're driving and run into the side of a building, but why don't you pull <laughs> over, why don't you pull yeah. over, and why don't you text Joel, the word Joel, J-O-E-L, to seven two zero zero zero. That's 
Joel, J-O-E-L, to 72000. And why don't you get Joel's up-to-the-minute notifications? Because you're going to get a lot of insights just as we're talking now. It's it's so insightful. And you get a lot of things that Joel is into and talks about and, and will just help you grow. And, folks, I know that there's people who are listening to us right now here on A New Direction that are saying, gee, I'm nowhere close to being that. But you got to start somewhere. And the more knowledge you have, the easier it is for you to be able to move. You're not going to get into momentum unless you take a small step. And so, you know, I'm asking you to listen to Joel, get the notifications, learn as much as you can so you can start getting that small step forward so that you can grow and that you can get better and that you can collect more capital so that you can have a future and that you can do more things. And that's certainly uh, what what I want you to do, and and Joel, you you've been just so gracious to me. I I I, I want to ask you about 800 more questions, but you're telling me I think I heard this, and you subtly did it. I have another appointment, Jay. I have to get to. Uh, so <laughs> so so I want I want to ask uh, I want to ask one more question, and then I'm going to let you go and and do this. But I want to ask you another question about this whole thing, and I want you to just give some advice to. Somebody who is uh, a young entrepreneur, because I, I just met with a young lady. She's 26 years old. She has her own business, and she actually has is a part owner of three businesses. They're actually doing pretty well. But given advice, if you could give a piece of advice to somebody who is wants to become an entrepreneur, wants to get into entrepreneurship, and wants to start, what would that piece of advice be? Well... You know, first of all, uh, you know, what I would say is be a little careful. You know, you, you know, you, you don't get on a roller coaster without, uh, you know, buckling the seatbelt. You don't jump out of a, an airplane without a parachute. You know, you got to make sure that if you're going to jump into the entrepreneur business that you understand uh, what you're getting yourself into. Mm. Uh, there are risks associated with that. You're risking financially. Uh, you might have to leave your job. You got to remember that there are other people in your life. You might have a spouse or an in-law mm. or family that you're responsible for. So just be very careful that you, uh, you know, that you pay attention to the responsibilities that you have, uh, and and you know, and then once you got that handled, go go, uh, you know, go full out. I mean, I, I listen. I love this business. I've been in the entrepreneur business for uh, almost my whole career, except for uh, just when I got out of college for a couple of years. I worked for a big company, but beside that, I've been on my own for the last thirty years. And you know, every day hasn't been perfect. But it's it's a lot better than having somebody tell you what to do all day long. So you know uh, that's that's how I look at it. That's that's awesome. Joel Block has been with us, and he has been so gracious with his time. Joel, thank you so much, by the way, for being on a new direction with me today. I hope we get to do this again in the future. And please, folks, purchase the book "Stop Hustling Gigs and Start Building a Business." By Joel G. Block. You can find that on Amazon. It's $25 paperback. It's $9.99 Kindle version. For those of you who like Kindle, make sure you text Joel, J-O-E-L, at 72000. That's 72,000. Text him so you get his regular updates. And please check out his website, bullseyecap.com. Please do that. And, and folks, if you're listening to me and you are somebody who is in the business of hiring speakers and you want somebody to talk about the things that you've heard us talk about today and more, why don't you go check out Joel at, at Bullseye Cap. By the way, check out his Wikipedia page because it'll give you a whole bunch of insights into what he talks about. He's a great speaker. You can find his videos out there all over the place. I really encourage you folks who are promoters of the speaking world, 
check him out because he's somebody that I, you really do want to hire. And uh, he's a great speaker and has a, just a wealth of knowledge. Joel, it, thank you so much for your time and for right. be, and, and being on the show. I, I, I feel like it's an honor, it's a privilege. And sometime when this is all over, I'm going to contact you personally and We'll talk about uh, our speaking careers and the authorships. Yeah, that absolutely. We do. And, uh, let's, so let's let's do that. Let's let's talk. We'll uh, we'll talk NSA. I love that. That sounds awesome. Everybody, right, Joel Block, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Joel. Have a great day. Hey, thanks very much for uh, taking me here. Absolutely. Take care. Uh, bye-bye. Bye bye. That was that was Joel Block, ladies and gentlemen, and he was awesome talking about entrepreneurship, real estate, the world economy, and everything like that. Wait, God, was he great or what? And he was really, really good. I love it when I have guests. First of all, I love it when you can hear the guests because we had a little problem last week. If you listened to us the the previous show, we had a little problem with the lines, and for whatever reason, we were just not getting a clear line. So I love that. But I think other than that, though, I love it when you have somebody who, because you have to understand, like when I do this show. And I have a guest on. I don't always, you know, sometimes the, the person who's his publicist or his agent will send me a list of questions they want me to ask. Well, I didn't get that. So we were shooting from the hip a little bit. And I love it that he's so good and so well prepared that we can just shoot from the hip like this and just have a really great conversation because he's just a super wealth of information and um, loved that about him. And I, and I hope he pulled away some of the things that he was talking about because there are some really clear things that you need to, to think about if you're thinking about investing. And I, I think one of the things he said without saying it that I really believe is true is count the cost. Really know, right, that it, this isn't, it's, and I'm not saying count the cost money-wise. I mean, do that, but I'm not saying it's just that. You've got to count the cost of your time. You gotta count the cost of what that's gonna cost you in your relationships with other people, including a spouse or your children or your family, if you're gonna go out and start doing this venture. Really count the cost. I'm not saying don't do it, but make sure that you've really calculated all that in. I think, as he has said, that another point is, you know what's great about being an entrepreneur? And I love being an entrepreneur and, and doing my own thing. You know what's great about that? I don't answer to anyone but me. It's the absolute truth. People who are entrepreneurs own their own business. They don't answer to anyone else but themselves. So they have no one else to blame when things go wrong. And and you either love that or you don't. When you work for someone else, you're always at someone else's mercy. It's just just the truth. And so uh, there is something really cool about working for yourself. There's something very extraordinary about being able to be able to do what you do and what you love to do and do that. Not everybody is fortunate enough to do that. I get that. But if you're going to do that, then make sure you calculate the costs of everything around you. And then understand that, you know, it's going to be hard. And I love that. The question he said, what's the hardest, the great question to always ask, what's the most difficult thing about whatever you're going to do? What's going to be the most difficult thing about that? What's going to be the most challenging problem? What's going to be the hardest thing to do in whatever you're going to do? And he that's a really good question to ask yourself. You know, if you're going to go into a new business or you're going to go into something new, you need to ask the questions. What is the hardest thing? Find somebody who's doing whatever it is that you want to do and ask them that question. What is the hardest thing? What's the biggest challenge? What is going to be the most difficult thing I have to overcome if I'm going to be successful in that? And by the way, talk to successful people. Don't talk to people who failed. 
Because people will, people who have failed will tell you that you can't do it or it's not possible. Only talk to people who are successful. There's a reason why they're successful. People who continually fail and who will say, oh, don't go, don't do that, don't get into that, they aren't going to help you because they've already, they're already soured on it. So really ask because those people have paid the price. They calculated the cost. They understand what it's going to take. And then, folks, I think the other thing that if you were listening really, really carefully here, I think the other thing is risk is everything. And, you know, it takes risk. And you have to know what your comfort level is with risk. Some people are more comfortable with risk than other people. And, you know, depending on your circumstances or your situation, risk, you know, your risk may be limited. I mean, if you're married and with children, you, as he said, you probably have to really calculate how much risk you can really take. You may not be able to take as much of a risk as someone who is single. Right? Someone who's single and doesn't have any other responsibilities could take as much risk as they want because the only person that they're hurting is themselves. Whereas when you're married and you have children or if you're a single parent with children, which is common, you know the truth of the matter is if you take um, those risks, you can be hurting those other folks. And so you have to really, really think through what your risk tolerance is. We, we hear that phrase around us all the time, risk tolerance. And then finally, when it comes to our relationship with money, I think it's really interesting. And he started off by telling us that, you know, we do have a really weird relationship with money. You know, we will jump into an Uber or a Lyft with people we don't even know and put our lives on the line in a seat. But when it comes to our money, we refuse to let anybody else deal with it. Think about that for a second, because there's really some truth in there, right? I mean, we probably put ourselves more at risk, you know, driving around somewhere in a large city or anywhere, for that matter, in a car that we don't know. We don't know how it's been serviced. We don't know if it's safe. We don't know if the driver's safe. We don't know what kind of, we assume that they have a great record, but it doesn't, you don't know that for sure. You don't know. We don't really know. We just assume that that's true. And so here we are. We get We get put in with somebody we don't even know in a car, and then... And then we, but then when it comes to our money, we don't want to trust anybody else with our money, and and it's it's interesting. I, I find that interesting. Our relationship with money is is highly emotional, and and I get it. It really is. And I and and so check yourself. What is your relationship with money? You know, are you do you hate it? Are you good with it? Do you, do you like it? What's your relationship with it? You know, I think that's a really important question to ask yourself: is what's your relationship with money? And then finally, I, I think one of the things I would say is, you know what, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. But really, it's not all as bad as everybody thinks it is, especially when it comes to the finances of the world. The truth of the matter is, everything is in, seems to be in pretty good shape. And there's going to be a lot of people who's going to pronounce doom and gloom. But the one thing I am absolutely assured of, absolutely assured of, is regardless of the doom, doom and gloomers, I know this, that there is opportunity in every market for everybody. I don't care what the market is. I don't care if the market's down. I don't care if the market's up. I don't care if real estate's down or real estate's up. There's an opportunity somewhere for for all of us to be able to benefit if we're willing to look at opportunity. And I think that's what becomes so important to us is to be able to say, you know what? We need to see if we're we need to check to see if we are taking advantage of all the opportunities that we are taking advantage of. 
Well, our time is about end, ending here, and I have had an amazing uh, nearly an hour with all of you. I want to thank you for listening to the show. You know, I'm always very grateful because I know that you could be listening to a lot of things, but you've chosen to listen to this show. And, you know, it really means something to me that you do that. And I would love to hear from you that you either like the show, you don't like the show, what you'd like to hear, how I could improve the show. I'm always open because, you know, without you, uh, the show doesn't exist. And I have to say, as I say every time I'm on the show, special thanks to James Lowe, Jiggy Jaguar, who has provided me with this opportunity. And uh, I get to do this every week. Uh, and uh, without him, I would not be able, to, without his um, willingness and kindness to allow me to do this, I would not have the show. And so, uh, James Lowe, Jiggy Jaguar, thank you so much. And you know what, folks? Do yourself a favor. Find your new direction. Try it. It only takes one step. Just one step can get you closer to where you want to be. Doesn't have to be big. So, folks, find your new direction. I will talk to you next week. Hey, have a great rest of your week. And wherever you're at, drive safe. Be safe. And know that there's a new direction coming for you. It's just up to you. Tomorrow's looking just like today. You feel cheated by your circumstance. You can't leave your life to chance. The time has come for you to go. A new direction on a brand new day. A new direction. Things are gonna change. And the answers don't make sense. Got to keep your hope.